0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another wonderful episode of the Missing Triggers podcast. Hello there, Kyle. I'm I'm Kyle. (laughs) Hey, hey, Sebastian. Join, uh, joined with me as always is Sebastian. Uh, It's uh, it's late Thursday night, right before, I guess, most nationals start. Since they're three day events, if I'm not mistaken, some of them. I could be totally wrong. But um, we figured we we yeah. talk a little bit, get everything, uh, get our thoughts out, and uh, just have a good little chat. Um, have a few questions from our patrons over at the Car Guys Patreon, and, and whatnot. Um, but before we get into any of the topics, you know, I just uh, want to, you know, let everyone know if you're listening either on YouTube or Spotify. Really freaking appreciate you, honestly. If you're on YouTube, please please consider subscribing. Uh, it takes just a second. It's free. And our goal is hitting a hundred subscribers, um, and we're at like sixty something. So if you if you guys wouldn't mind, you know, if you're on YouTube or even if you're on Spotify, you know, just click Missing Triggers podcast on YouTube, click subscribe. It'd mean the world to us. Literally free to you. Trying.
1: Let's get to hundred before Dynasty comes out. That's the goal. Yeah,
0: that's the goal. Hundred before Dynasty. Um, that'd be that'd be neat. Um, but yeah, it'd mean the world to us. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, it seems also that our audience on Spotify is growing slightly, which, which is pretty awesome too, that, um, you know, we're just uploading on YouTube and then putting links out on Twitter for the Spotify stuff. And so it's, it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat to see, you know, the incremental growth over time that we've, uh, we've accumulated even after our little hiatus for like six weeks. So, um, yeah, Sebastian, uh, how, how have you been?
1: I've, I've been well, um, um, the week in Fab for me has been kind of hit and miss, you know. Um, beginning of the week, I was feeling very confident and feeling like my list was juice and it was getting somewhere. And then the last couple of days, I've you know had some unfortunate matchups and you know a little bit of seeing the other side of variance <laughs> on my opponent's end. And it's a good thing to have this happen to you. Um I'm I'll just be honest I'm testing Viserai and just it felt really good starting testing and now it's kind of like 50-50 for me. So
0: I feel that. How, I feel How's it going that. for you? Um Saturday night we tested a few games uh with Viserai drone and I think we came to a few conclusions about both decks. Um and I know we've we've changed quite a few things with the Viserai deck. And I'm looking at a new drum, my list to see if we it that's worth testing. So, um, I've been watching a lot, editing a lot, and then uh, working on a f- couple things on the back end. As far as, um, spoiler alert, uh, clothing brand that uh, that we have coming out very very soon. I'm working on some designs for that and uh, a little marketing stuff. So, um, that's that's always going to be a good time once we get that rolling. I can't wait for you guys to see what we have in store for, uh, you know, flesh and blood and all card games. So. Yep. Um but I want to tell you something before we get into this because um I know we have a list of stuff that we're you know we're going to talk about but at the same time I think this is very important for you to hear and I also think this is very important for a lot of people to hear. Um in all my testing throughout all my card game my whole card game life uh I've always decided on a deck about a month before Nationals, right? Mm-hmm. And I've always had pretty decent testing all the way up until like the last week of the of before the tournament. And then that's yeah. when that's when shit hits the fan, right? That's when, you know, your good matchups start seeming to be 50-50. Your mm-hmm. uh, your 50-50 matchups, you're starting to see a lot of the sides of I guess variance and um you're getting blown out and it's like you hit this block. And then you know, I I kind of revert back to the the previous weeks of testing, and just refresh my memory on those. Play for the next night, and then I stop testing altogether. I I, I test for one more night, and then I stop testing. Um, wow. And a lot of the times, your you don't know it, but your mind needs your your brain needs a break, and. That it's it's just the world telling you to slow down for a second, right? And yeah. then and then going into nationals, I've had three separate nationals for you go where I've started off like six oh, seven oh or something like that, and then and then I lose three in a row or I lose the two in a row or I start off like five one or six one and then I lose two in a row and then miss out on day two. But you know, I think in those cer- certain circumstances, um and, and winning a lot of those matches in those tournaments it showed to me that my testing w- was validated, right? Yeah. So yeah. when when you're going into a week or two before and you're starting to see a decline in your testing and an increase of saltiness when shit happens to you, just you know, take a step back, think about why you picked up the deck that you're playing and that you want to play and then and then just I guess go back to the basics with it. And if you go back to the basics with what you've t- been testing, and try to figure out the conclusion you conclusions you came to, and then rework back, you're gonna be you're gonna be good going forward. So yeah. um, you, I know you've been you've been having you know the struggles where you're like fuck this or I I'm just I'm, Nathan I'm playing Briar right that happened last yeah. night. And so, and then today you're like, you know what? I'm just going to play what I'm comfortable with. And I think that's the point right there where you started working back. And I just want you to know that I think you're working in the right direction. And I think a lot of other people need to hear that too, where they don't need to second guess themselves because if you second guess yourself, just like us last year at nationals, um, (laughs) it's going to bite you in the ass for sure.
1: And I definitely learned from that and today I was going to be like okay well I'm just going to start my road of grinding out a hundred Briar games to be ready and then as I'm playing the deck I'm like you know uh, in my personal opinion I think Briar is a very powerful deck and I just feel like I hate playing any kind of strategy where you live and die by one or maybe like six cards in your 60 card deck right to me that's just like Oof! Without a tutors. Oof!
0: Little fringe, for sure. I get it. <laughs> exactly, and especially
1: it. since you have to play so many mech cards in a Briar deck to, you know, get to that Channel Mount heroic combo with all the Earth cards, it just kind of makes it like, eh, you know, like I think I just rather prefer the consistency and the raw output damage in Bistrai because, let's be honest here, if that's the other thing that I'm noticing, because uh, I don't think it's a um, like a luck thing. I just think that some games when you're playing Briar, you're just not going to see your channel mount heroics at the convenient time, and the time you see them is when you're already like in that blocking war with your opponent, when you're yeah. both at that sub-10 life, and you're both throwing some attacks, blocking some attacks, and that's when you see the channel mount, and then you're like, okay, well, this is a four block right here. And then you come to the realization that, oh, well... If I don't see Channel Mount Heroic early, my deck kind of just gets outvalued by everything, because yeah, you're playing zero for fours, which are very good value, but the problem with that is that like Viscerai, his his four card hand or his three card hand is way better than usually Briar's three card hand if without Channel Mount Heroic. So yeah, it's just kinda and then it all comes back to just like. You know what, testing it out, I'm like, I don't want to switch to Briar last minute again like it did last Nationals, and then be upset. I'm like, I think um, we're going to try out a different deck, because my Viscerae list is almost complete to where we want it to be at, um, if I do decide to play that. So we might try one more deck, but after this Sunday, Saturday or Sunday, it's just going to be locked in, and we're just going to be happy with whatever... Two weeks we and, we, and just, <laughs> we just
0: test just for those two weeks and here we are, you know. So yep, exactly. I get it. And I get it for sure. At
1: the end of the day, we're going to nationals and we're gonna have a good time. So
0: I'm excited. Like I and you know, I haven't I haven't really played as much as I did in like during Pro Tour Qualifier One season, right? Like I think exactly. you and I, I think we played seven days a week. It felt like for for six weeks, five weeks or so. Uh, just to try to qualify for pro tour for, I guess for me in general, um, I think you just qualified for boomer. Hey dude. And then, you know, and then we got to Indy and I looked at my, my XP and I said, you know, wow, I gotta go to (laughs) Indy. I really don't want to, (laughs) but I gotta go to Indy. And so I, I, you and I both had the flu that weekend and, um, Lord have mercy on our souls, but that was probably the worst weekend ever. But somehow we got there and like afterwards, like I felt so burnt out as far as I, I was just so tired, you know. And so, um, getting back into the swing swing of things, just learning the game again in a weird way is uh is uh has been has been sort of the struggle. Um, so, you know, um, how did you uh, end up qualifying re- for uh for for nationals? Was it through XP?
1: Yeah. So basically, I I did the v- hundred day XP. Um, okay for global i believe so yeah i just did the grind played at a lot of pro quest and everything um missed out on got a couple top eights missed out and just really just didn't get there it's kind of unfortunate but you know I... what what i was gonna say to what you were saying is like the whole burnt out thing and then after pro tour one for me and that pro quest season two of course Ever since then, it's just like finding a deck for me has been very difficult because I'm like, nothing plays the same as to what I what I want it to play. And, you know, probably the closest thing I would like in the game right now is probably Leviah. But I'm, you know, we're, you just we were never that exactly yeah. <laughs> that's probably the closest thing to what I would like playing. But right now it's just like. The second deck to that, I mean, pr- the first deck I like the most is Viserai at the moment. I feel like it's doing something that I feel comfortable with, and it's just... I
0: mean, you've always been there. interested in a deck, too, right? Like, that's something yeah. that, when when you took a break from Chain, you're like, I'm going to play Viserai, and you, you you tinkered around with, like, the OTK Viserai deck, and then, you know, the aggro decks and stuff, and so it definitely suits your play style. It suits kind of what you look for in, yeah. in, in part, two. You know, I played the ODK this
1: try and I got high rolled by a Prism. I'm just like I'm never losing to Prism again. I'm because like my win rate <laughs> with Chain versus Prism like I think Pro Tour season and Pro you know PT, PTQ one season Pro Tour and PTQ uh, two season was like I lost zero games against Prism. Like it was actually insane. Um, I'm just like man, I hate that deck so much. I don't want to ever lose to it again. And Viscerite has a lot of spots actually where it can lose to Prism. Well, it did. So that's why I'm, after it got banned, I'm like, oh, this is uh good. You know,
0: I, I think that's one of the main reasons why I kinda just gave up when I qualified for Pro Tour, um in New Jersey, was because they banned Skeletta, and that was the only deck I played, other than one I wanna say I played one I wanna say I played one ProQuest with Starvo, just because yeah, everybody told me to. Yeah, one or two. I top-aided one and got high-rolled by prison back-to-back. Um, but, I, I put all my eggs in the viscerai basket, right? And, I under like, Nathan, when I, like, he's a very good teacher when it comes to playing, yeah. like, learning a deck, especially with Rune blades in general. Um, but Nathan put me through the ringer with that deck and went through, like, most become the Arcanite lines, and Kind of told me how to how when you want to block and when you want to do something when the perfect time is to like you know pop Skeletta and have to go at like fourteen room chance and and kind of how to manage manage your game at that point and and I felt really really comfortable on Viscerai. and then they banned Skeletta and all <laughs> it's it's everything went crashing down after that I was like I yeah. don't want to play because then I was I was stuck I was like. I don't, I don't really, like, I don't have the mental capacity to learn a new deck in three weeks, you know? Uh,
1: It was two weeks. It it, it was like... Two weeks, exactly, two weeks. I believe it was (sighs) was 13 days, to be exact, from the ban list.
0: (laughs) Brother, I'm gonna throw up just thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I guess that's what I have to blame it on, but, but yeah, so, um, I don't even remember what you're talking about, but just, you know, um... That's been a lot, our last couple of weeks in Fab, <laughs> to say the yeah. least. Um, trying to get yeah, my brain back in it.
1: This format, just play what you feel comfortable with. Even if you think that it might not be the best pick, I feel like you can just kind of navigate. Hey, maybe, you know, we were talking about this, like, maybe you pull a Pablo Pintor and you go 6-0 in draft and you can lose three. NCC, and, and then you're just like, oh, I'm chilling. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
0: spike your first draft, and you're like, okay, here we go. <laughs> you know, so here we go. Exactly. I get it. I get it a hundred percent. Um, this week in Fab, also Fab news, real quick. A lot of traction for Flesh and Blood Online. Uh, oh has my been, goodness, yeah. Has been uh, you know coming up and uh shout out to those guys over there um working on the servers and the developers and the coders and the whole team it's it's been a breath of fresh air to watch games uh just being able to watch games and learn kind of play patterns of certain things and also getting to be able to play um against random people that's awesome it turns out today actually as of this recording um, they were in between a couple different names um, to rebrand to get out of the way of you know flesh and the flesh and blood name Uh, they had I think it was bladebreak.net or talishard.net, and they ended up going with talishard.net, which I think is pretty cool so um, congratulations on the rebrand team and um, you know cheers to a healthy future with online flesh and blood because it's a by the it's way,
1: it's awesome. Shout out LSS in this whole situation so far. Um, they know flesh and blood online or you know now Talos Shard online exist and they haven't shut it down. And I really really appreciate that from them letting this exist and letting people play the game in this way. Especially with you know we never know when another pandemic or something like that could be on the horizon. And, um, you know, there's just like me, I always say it. I hate talking to people, um, <laughs> especially online. <laughs> so I'm just like, I just love being able to cue into like, like you said, random people. It's automatic, quick, you know, 30 minute game, 15 to 30 minute game real quick. Even the old games only go 30 minutes, 35 minutes. Cause everything's so fast. Um, and just getting that out of the way and getting super good testing in, and uh, yeah, i am just, I know with other games, I believe it was like Konami with YGO Pro, like they shut—they try to shut that down so many times and it was just like, why can't you just let them have an, an automatic, you know, an automatic uh, game where they can just, you know, grind games out real fast and not have to do the, the old um, every action by yourself or you go through a discord and then download the link. So they're just letting it exist online.
0: Yeah, it's which is uh... really nice. Really, really nice of them. Um, you know, we might have this for quite a while until you know, Flesh and Blood and LSS and James White and all of them decide like, hey, you know, let's let's make an online client. You know, let's try to put our eggs into that basket too, and let's see how it how if it can work. And um, you know, right? I th- I think this is something that a lot of people need because not a lot of people can a go to locals all the time and B, have a group of people they play with. So, like, it's it's really good for the community. So, um, with that being said, um, I want to go over, you know, the the Dynasty cards that we kind of know of so far and um, yep. kind of give our initial thoughts before we get into, um, you know, Hard in Columbus and kind of where the format shifted slightly towards and then kind of what we think we're going to... Where it's gonna head week by week for national season coming up this week, next week, and then I think the next week. So um, so yeah. Um Royal Draconic Warrior Wizard, Sebastian. Emperor Drake of Asir. He looks pretty badass, don't get me wrong. Um, but Royal Draconic Warrior Wizard. Yep. You may only have red cards in your deck. It's a young hero. I think James White actually did come out and say it's only going to be a young hero, so it's kind of like the Shiana treatment, right? Um, which is exactly. which is neat, I guess. So it's going to be more of a of a UPF, um, an Ultimate Pit Fight style hero, I guess. But um,
1: it doesn't seem super it's super competitive to me, unless the royal not, cards are just you know insane or something. Yeah, like I mean that. they
0: they have to be right. Like if if it's going to be good, like you're going to need. Um, you're gonna need some really good royal cards in in that deck, I'd assume, but um the effect is you can only have red cards in your deck, so that's that's like okay, um whatever um, you know Joma is not doing that now anyway in blitz, so um but it's an action for three resources, so you technically have to take a turn off and let them just hit you to be able to act for this ability so um whatever, but you pay three and you search for a command and conquer. And you attack with it. And then you shuffle your deck.
1: And you start at 15 life.
0: And you start at 15 life. So like, the 15 life has me interested. Because, as you know, all wizards, I mean, it's a wizard, technically, um, start with less life because they have some sort of, you know, thing they can do. They have that shtick. That can kind of disrupt your opponent or just kill him out of nowhere, like we saw with you know Kano, and we saw we we now see with Icelander where it's just super disruptive, and so um, has me has me thinking really really hard about kind of what sort of cards we're gonna be getting out of Dynasty that's gonna benefit this this hero, especially if it comes with all four Royal Draconic Warrior and Wizard cards that help it. Who knows? But um, it's neat. It if you guys don't know, it's the Emperor, like it says. And, uh, and it's legendary. And that it's legendary. Now. I, I, uh, from from my understanding, I think I sent this to you on Discord the other day. I want to say that I'm gonna look it up while we're sitting here talking. That this is gonna get a full art Marvel version, and it's gonna be one out of every ten thousand packs. By it's uh, the
1: rarest card in the game.
0: Prince Distribution uh, made a post saying, um, "Dynasty." The, Mar- the Marvel Emperor, the rarest Flesh and card ever to be found in a booster, appearing one in 10,000 packs. And let me tell you, I mean, I love the full art Marvel cards or like the full art um, two-sided heroes that they've come out with. They're beautiful. And I love the color red in general. And this card's going to look badass as a full art Marvel card. So, I'm so excited for it and and hell, you never know. I might I might be like Charlie from Charlie the Chaka Factory and open a pack and just pull it and be like, I got the golden ticket, motherfuckers. So I that's probably gonna be a pretty expensive card, and I'm looking forward to seeing who pulls it and you know kind of how the prices go. So um yeah,
1: one out of every one hundred and five cases roughly. <laughs>
0: it's just, it's disgusting. Yeah. I, cases I have, boxes, cases. I've only seen in person, I've only seen one Icelander. Um double sided hero. So I can just I, imagine. I
1: have never seen one. <laughs> yeah, so
0: like that's what I'm saying. So just imagine imagine somebody owning one of these and it'd just be insane. Let me know about the second card, because I don't it's it's neat. The second card's pretty neat.
1: Yeah, the um the new card that's the Crown of Dominion where you get to actually equip a talent onto your hero. So when you equipped it, your hero becomes royal. And then you get a gold token, which is pay to destroy, draw a card, go again. So the most efficient we've seen in the, you know, the gold, the silver, the copper, obviously, it's the most efficient, you know, getting to draw a card and still floating a resource is awesome. And then this is super interesting that they're letting you pick a talent, like, as the game, you know, before the game starts in a way, right? So, like, it just opens up deck building completely wide open depending on how good these royal cards are and how well they synergize with things um but obviously it comes at the cost of your headpiece so it's like is it worth it
0: and the headpiece doesn't block
1: yeah it doesn't block it doesn't block so is it worth it to get rid of crown of providence Uh, let's be honest here that's the only thing people are (laughs) that or you know something like mask of momentum right all these headpieces are super relevant is it worth it to get rid of that to play the royal cards and to have this gold token you know yet to be seen but i really hope that the royal cards are just not you know crazy busted like yeah we just made like two new zero for fours with go again so you know if briar's still alive she can just play those and then uh there's um a non-attack action that just says plus four and this or I can play. you know what I'm saying? Like I just yeah. hope they're not super generic. Like they don't print like a command and conquer level card, but it only comes with the downside of playing the royal talent in a way. yeah because yeah. I-, I feel like the two block in the Crown of Province effect is amazing, but I don't feel like I feel like I could definitely see a world where I'm like, I'm gonna give up two life in a sync effect to play three. You know, brand new e Strike Command and Conquer Art of War level cards in my deck that could synergize really well. See,
0: I the wording on this card kind of gives me the the notion that they're probably going to make it to where your extra card, like your your extra equipment, is going to be kind of like a side, like an extra deck, like um like in other card games, right? Where yeah. it's the the wording on it says your hero is royal, but it also says when you equip Crown of crown of dominion create a gold token so that makes me think there's going to be effects in the deck that's going to let you switch headpieces and so if you can it, it i mean a hero might have that ability or what whatever else and so like maybe maybe you'll be able to generate a lot of gold tokens and then like do this super super crazy play where you like pitch stack and then you're like four gold tokens pay this much get this hand kill you so i mean i don't know so i I th- I think that's a neat thing that they might, they might look into if they, if they're not yet, but just the wording on that gives me like CNC vibes where yeah. it pretty much said like all your arsenal, like, you know, everything in the arsenal essentially. So that's kind of what it, you know, it gives me vibes of. So with that being said, you know, gold is now a thing. Uh, we have copper, we have silver, and now we have gold, um, which obviously everyone knew you pay to, you, you draw a card um which we knew it was eventually going to come so here it is yeah. here it is what about this last card i'm sort of kind of intrigued about it um it's called the, imperial uh, warhorn mhm it's a legendary um it's a legendary card so you can only play one in your deck but it uh it costs 2 it's red. And its ability says, for one, destroy it. Choose any number of heroes. Each of them chooses an ally, aura, item, or landmark. and Permanent they control. And destroy each permanent chose this way. If you are royal, you get to choose. So.
1: That seems very good to me.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, it, it definitely seems good to me too. It makes me, it gives me the, it. It makes me think it helps solve some matchups, sort of, kind of. Like, it's a one-off. I can kill one of your items if I'm, like... If I'm, uh... If I'm Oldham, for example. And I play this card out. Like, I go attack or do whatever. And you can go, like, Channel Mount... Or not Channel Mount. Whoa. Channel Lake Frigid. And then play Imperial Warhorn. And then the next turn, you're like, alright, cool. I'm gonna let you decide if you want me to kill your Induction Chamber... Or your induction chamber, so like you at least get you. You can like slow the game down in that regard too. So I, I think it. I think it does right. help like guardian guardian decks. Um, and yeah, because they
1: can't get rid of Crown of Seeds, Oldham, right? So he's just you. You still are not gonna usually be able to choose what's happening. But like if it's against Icelander and they have like Amulet of Ice or you know um, Insidious Chill or Frost Hex, like. Well, yeah, getting rid of one of those is amazing. It yeah, doesn't matter so like, which one.
0: so like if you're playing against Icelander and they and they go frost X on your side of the board, and then they're like, okay, I'm going to play insidious chill. Then you can play pop this card and you can kill the frost X and the insidious chill because you control the frost hex. If if I'm if that is worded correctly, and from my understanding, so. I'm gonna need to get oh. ruling on that, but you see what I'm saying though. Since you're oh technically goodness. controlling the Frostex and Icelanders sitting there trying to set up this big Frostex insidious chill when the game turn, then you can just be like, "Ha ha ha!" Imperial Warhorn, Frostex, and your insidious could, chill.
1: That could actually be enough because that messes up so much of their math. I think that could actually be enough to maybe swing that matchup into their favor. Yeah. That one card, which is crazy as that sounds. That's why it's a legendary. That's why it's a one of because against matches like that, that is super just like that. That's insane. Um, yeah. Having that. I didn't even realize that that. Yeah, you control it. You can choose yourself. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. Shout shout out to our Patreon discord for coming up with that. I think Ed is actually the one who came up with that or or Justin. I'm not sure. But um, it opened open my my eyes to, to that because that that seems yeah. crazy. Um, but I think that card could be, uh, you know, pretty decent to say the least. So, um, you know, with that out of the way, let's talk about Battle Harden Columbus, um, and kind of, you know, the meta breakdown of top eight and, and, and yeah. So, um, there were well. quite a few different decks in top eight, um, or well, not different. It's it's different in the fact that it's something we haven't seen yet in this game, right? So we have a dash that went undefeated. Shout out to Matt Dilks. Um, that's pretty neat. And then you have three Oldham, two Icelander, and two Dromi. So you saw no Aggro decks. Um, yeah. What do you Apparently think? Apparently,
1: there's a couple on the bubble. But, you know, with Battle Hardens, if you lose one round early or something like that, you know, you just get <laughs> you get just thrown out of there. Just might as well. You're playing for six XP at that point. Um, yep. What I make of it is this is expected. I expected this to happen, especially the first like the literal first week. I was like, oh, yeah, uh, without Prism, the first week, people who have aggro decks are not yet going to be able to exactly build it to be Oldham yet. I don't think. And the people who have been good with these defensive ice decks and, yeah, you know, Jromai stuff, Icelander who've been waiting for Prism to Living Legend, funny yeah. enough that, like, seven of those decks in the top eight were, like, auto-losses to Prism. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, their auto-loss was Prism. You know? Yeah. Prism was an auto... It, Prism got an auto-win from them, almost. Like, it's just crazy to see that, yeah, as soon as she just stopped get, gatekeeping, here we go, it's a more... Um, healthier spread of heroes, in my opinion. I don't think it will be this overwhelming for Nats, because it's like, if you're going into Nats without a plan for Briar, Oldham, uh, Dromai, Icelander, you don't have a plan for Nats. That's my opinion. Like, it's not a great plan for Nats. Now, do you have to be 100% like, yeah, I win 100% of games in all these matchups? No. But do you have to have a game plan into all those matchups? Yep.
0: Sure, of course you did.
1: So, I definitely. I mean, what do you think? Uh, was this expected from you?
0: You know, I figured we would see at least one or two Briar in there, right? Like, um, just how the decks, how the deck is built, I guess. Um, or how the deck was built previously to Pro Tour Two Weekend. Um, they that deck just has better matchups into this meta. Um. I looked up um, Tariq Patel. Shout out to you. You actually he actually put up a a meta breakdown of actually all 104 players that attended this uh, this battle harden, and I kind of want to go over this and see kind of how it reflected on the top eight because it is kind of eye opening. I think. Um, So the little things we had two Azalea. They went to troll. One Kano, uh, five Lexi, one Reinar, two Bolton, four Dory, uh, and then uh, two two Levia. And then we had (laughs) nine Icelander, 11 Dromai, 16 Oldham, six Dash, eight Bravo, and then you had 17 Briar, that's taken the most uh, represented deck, 11 Viserai, and nine Phi. And note also, I think a Phi got ninth, so like... Phi was the highest ranked um aggro deck. Aggro. Deck. So yeah. um so it seems like an even split for the most part between control and, and sort of aggro. You have three, you have three aggro decks, you have Bravo, which is like technically a mid range deck that can do either or. Uh, and then you have dash that kinda does the same. Then you have Ultum. Usually likes to play more defensively, but I do believe that uh, the one that won Eldenists. was. Yeah. Were were they aggressive Ultimus?
1: Yeah, he was playing like yellow earthler, Earth, or lower surge, basically pummel on the front end. Um, mm. all, I think he was playing red and blue pummel, so he was ready to beat down on the in the mirror match, I believe, and um, people trying to fatigue. Obviously, I don't blame him if you're playing a guardian deck and you're like. I don't want this to go to time in the rematch. match. <laughs> We're not going to do this test right here. Uh, so let me throw a couple of these pummels in there. <laughs> these fuckers wanted
0: all the smoke. Congrats to the Oldham uh, Planet. I ended up winning it. Red Glacial, that's, too. That's that
1: was one that was pretty crazy. Red Glacial in there, just to have that 10 red, dominate.
0: Red Glacial, bro. The, the cheese. <laughs> um... So, yeah, I mean, as you see here, you know, I believe most Briars are probably playing the, Mat- uh, the Matthew Folks list. Um, Viscerites weren't really prepared. Um, I believe a lot of the Bravos probably took out a lot of the Viscerai players and the five players. Um, if I'm not mistaken, at table five last round, um, it was a Briar-Mirror match, and neither okay. one of them made top eight. Yeah, I think wow. it was the last round.
1: Oh, uh, so it was just probably they got locked out. Yep.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah, exactly. Um. So. You know. Seeing it, this is more of mid range format now that you you can look at it and kind of see how how it turned out. A lot of people took the mid range aspect and said, "This is what this is what we think." With prism leaving, this is kind of how we think the format's going to go. And if you if you see. Three decks, Sebastian, three fucking decks, Dromai, Icelander, and Oldham all made top eight because Prism left. If you think about that, right? All three of these decks that Prism absolutely dumpstered on. All made top eight. Yeah. So
1: it's, it's pretty insane.
0: It, it's a good, th- I think it's also a good thing that Prism got LL'd, but also now a lot of people are going to be on the Oldham train, and so we're going to hear a lot of complaints about Oldham more than likely. So, uh,
1: Well, I think you have to be prepared to beat Oldham. that's the thing. Oh, um, I think
0: he's the boogeyman or now, he has to be, right? Yeah. He can do yeah, both, he has people, the best of both worlds.
1: Exactly, he can play defensive when he needs to, he can play aggro when he needs to, and he can play aggro, but defend on a turn where you're just presenting a little bit too much damage. And not playing like another aggro deck. Because, you know, in a a regular aggro match, you take 15 damage, sometimes 20 damage to have a 25, 26, 7 damage turn, right? But if Oldham goes, okay, I'm going to put out a 15 damage turn with an on-hit effect, like make you discard a card or something like that. And then he blocks, you know, 15 of that or 20 of that damage (laughs) from your huge turn. Then you kind of just go, oh, I didn't really get full value like he did. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> hmm. So he's definitely playing the best of both worlds. Um, the funniest, sure. um, funniest sum up of this meta was I saw a meme on Twitter that like, you know, like when you scroll online, sometimes you get like a smile, and then sometimes you get like a huh, like a chuckle. This one actually just made me laugh out loud. It was um, it was, <laughs> it said aggro players after turn four or turn five. And it was just three orangutans just hanging out on a couch, and they're like. One looks the other one. He's like, "Where win?" <laughs> Those are my favorite
0: memes. Those are my favorites.
1: Wait, wait. Oh, the no. game goes past turn five. What are you talking about? I've been playing this game since Monarch. I've never had a game go past turn five. <laughs>
0: oh, that's rich. That's second funny. Cycle.
1: That's a what? second cycle. Man. The fuck
0: is a second
1: cycle? <laughs> yeah, my my deck um, just milled itself over on turn eight. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Jeez.
0: And and you're seeing also in this top eight the classic mid range deck of dash, and it also went undefeated in Swiss. Um, I think you know uh, in in the right pilot's hands, I think that deck is very good.
1: I do think so, but I don't know. See, my only problem with Dash is, it kind of just has like no high roll mechanic in it at all, which makes me go like personally. At first, I was like maybe I'll try dash out, but then I'm like looking at the deck and I'm like. This, this deck is just, like, the most... It's kind of like Brute. Brute kind of suffers the same thing, where it's just, like, this is just, like, the most, like, generically doing, you know, not a lot of crazy stuff deck ever.
0: It was just one, very and, one-dimensional.
1: Yeah, it's so one-dimensional, exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's the same reason why, even though I like aggro decks, I don't necessarily like Fi. It's just like, I feel like you just do the same thing over and over again, and I know there's nuances in Dash, and you can become a master with Dash, where you, you know, boost in the second cycle your blue cards and keep your red cards not boosted, and you keep track of your pitch, and you're so good. But for the most part, I feel like Dash, it can be easily, uh, tar- not targeted per se, but like, if dash ever becomes a problem, we got even bigger than that. Like, I feel like if old olden players feel like that's a threat, smashing
0: just... good times, sir.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's one of those ones um, from Everfest, but I yeah. never want to go back high. to Everfest? <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. I don't think dash can ever just become like the best deck. I I feel like it, it's just not doing enough against. the I agree. Decks. Like, I agree.
0: I th- I do think though that because Oldham is more than likely going to be like the deck, I do think Dash is in a great spot because I feel like, I feel like she can just run AB versus Icelander and grind that out. And then I also feel like she just has a very good, I mean, she does have just a very good guardian matchup in general. So like, she's already sitting pretty with two of the big decks in the format. So, um, I
1: think Dash's main problem is if she runs into a Viscera and she tries of the fatigue or, Either fatigue it it's going to lose or if it tries to race the viscerai and the viscerai knows what they're doing and they just start blocking out from turn one um they're going to lose or if they see a a a briar with a turn one to you know one to three channel mount heroic i feel like that's when dash gets really difficult because it doesn't have a high roll mechanic it's like it has crazy like if they go aggro 50 damage you know turn one through fours right but besides that it's just damage it's no on hit effects it's no it's not arcane damage which is hard to block it's just like yeah here's this basic raw damage coming at you or a super slow grindy one-dimensional game plan of yeah let me put this item block a couple cards put this item out block a couple cards put this item out now i have all these items let me go infinite and just shoot six seven eight damage at you a turn yeah for sure.
0: I'm st- are you surprised to see two dromae on the top hit?
1: Absolutely not. I think that deck was it, it had potential beforehand and then this just shows like same thing with Icelander. It's like that deck was great beforehand, it beat Guardian because it can it, it just uh there's this like, you know, obviously it can pitch stack into an Exodia combo against Guardian where at a certain point it's just like, Does matter how much A B you have if I'm still alive and I can get this Combo off, you're just dead. You know, you can't pay for all these frost bites and block this arcane. Sorry, I just got set up my three frost techs in uh, Insidious Chills and all that, and, you know, Amulet Device and whatever else they need for the combo, and that's it. I've done the combo before. It's really good into, that. into the aggro decks. It, um, it plays really well into, you know, decks like Briar and Fi. I feel like in uh, the standard visceri deck, too, it plays really well into... I feel like it's probably biggest problem if coming into this next meta is if um, Briar adapts a good, that Belittle Briar deck adapts a good game plan because Belittle kind of, you know. Unfortunately, I think Icelander be super good, like I said last episode, if Belittle wasn't a thing. But I think just because Belittle exists, that's keeping it a little bit. It doesn't blow out the aggro decks. If aggro decks didn't have Belittle, it would just blow them out. So I definitely expected to see that. I expected to see Oldham. This is what I would imagine this top eight looked like. Like you said, maybe throw another minus one Oldham, throw another Briar in there or something like that, or Viscerae that learned how to uh, pitch stack or, you know, deal with Oldham's. But hey, this looks like the meta I suspected.
0: Yeah, honestly, same. Honestly, same. Um, You know, with seeing the results from from last weekend, um, what... Are your predictions for week one for all these nationals happening? Um, as far as deck choices and what we're gonna see in the top eight?
1: Um, I love Nat season in Flesh and Blood because it's so interesting because in a different country, especially a smaller country like um you know, like Italy or Germany or something like that, where the Nats might only be, you know under 48 players or under 100 players you can get some really cool wacky decks and ideas that go all the way there because like let's be honest they're only the size of like this battle harden or less than the size of this battle harden. so there's a lot of cool stuff that can happen and i i'm more interested to see that than how the actual meta shakes up i, I i'm sure that there's going to be like oldums that win briars that win viscerize that win Jerome eyes that win, Icelanders that wins, everything I expect to win will win. I'm just more intrigued to see what off the wall hero wins. Like at Italian nationals last year, we saw that Kano won his first ever major event, and that was a super awesome and amazing moment. And shout out to that player, Arc. He's on YouTube. You can check him out. Got to meet him, play with him at the pro tour. But like those moments right there were, yeah. And then, of course, you know, the whole Max Matt Folks thing last year at UK Nationals. Let's see if there's maybe some crazy Phi deck. Someone broke Phi or broke Dromai or broke Icelander where it can just be every deck we're talking it just, about.
0: It just super warps, like, the, the next two yeah, weeks, essentially. Exactly. And yeah.
1: then it changes everyone's perspective. And then maybe we have what we had last year where a last-minute very it, – it's open. It's an open meta, but it got opened – a week before it happened (laughs) and uh, definitely with Flesh and Blood Online that would be even more interesting because last year with the week left people were going crazy on TTS and everything but even though they had a week of grinding TTS they still couldn't figure out a better Briar deck or a way to really beat the Briar deck unless you knew about it you know a couple weeks beforehand but with Flesh and Blood Online there was just
0: no time and now like there is time because we have
1: Flab Online for sure yeah, because, I mean, seven days with Fab Online, I mean, someone might actually go out there and be like, hey, I'm taking a couple days vacation from the job ahead of Nationals, and, you know, I'm going to fucking figure this format out real quick. Because yep. I just saw this deck beat every single, you know, go undefeated in German Nationals or UK, I don't know what Nationals are coming up. I know French Nationals is coming up this weekend, but like, let's say there's some 5 deck that blows out everyone, and then people are like, wow, I have two weeks of Flesh and Blood online to test out this 5 deck, and then the meta becomes, wow, this 5 deck won, now we have to test against it, figure out what beats that, and then it, it, just, it just gets <laughs> all turned a vicious upside cycle. down. It's a
0: vicious cycle, yeah. for sure. Um, I do think you're going to see a lot of the Runeblade uh, Briar players going into week 1 try to target a lot of what we saw from Columbus and then week two, we're probably going to see probably what we see, what we see right now for Columbus. And then week three, we're going to see quite a bit of both. I think, um, I think U S Nats for sure. I believe it's going to be probably a mix of both.
1: I think U S Nats is going to get warped somehow. There's going to be one deck that just blows out one of these smaller nationals that people go, wow, I didn't know dromai could do that but little dromai be like <laughs> i didn't know that could be a thing <laughs>
0: for sure you're gonna have like one testing team that's just on one and they're like we have the fucking deck and then they come out and they all are like <laughs> like three of them in the top eight and you're like what yeah. and then especially
1: yeah. in certain countries like the uk you know as we saw like shamir and then matt folks like uk's got a lot of great players um Poland. I mean, I think they've every single international event they've had a player in the finals <laughs> or the top eight of the of the event. So that meta is probably definitely gonna warp whatever comes out after it. Whenever that happens, I would have to look and see if that's gonna happen before after U.S. Nationals. But if it happens before, you know, the Poland meta is gonna be strong. Yeah. Because I mean, what three of them topped this pro tour that just happened? well very and good they players were, over there in Poland for yeah. sure. Exactly, so definitely interesting to see what happens.
0: I agree. Um, do you, is there anybody in obviously since
1: uh,
0: we're in the U.S. Um, is there any sort of lookout players um, that you're thinking about for for U.S. nationals that might have a have a uh, either a breakout tournament or that. Or is a mainstay that always is up the to- at the top that you think might have a chance of winning the U.S. Nationals. Since Tarek is um, actually not in U.S. Nationals this year, if I'm not mistaken, he's actually going to be in Canada playing in that one.
1: Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, you know, I kind of have that the Daylon Mac attitude where I'm just like, yeah, I want to count myself in, right? Like, I, I want to have that energy that I'm going to win. <laughs> okay, um, I'm all for so- it. Yeah, but uh, if we're just going to, like, besides me, right? Because I'm also one of those people, if the viewers don't know, where I'm like, you got to, like, put that out in the universe where you're like, yeah, I'm going to win. You know, um, I have that energy, that good mojo just going for you. So if I had to pick someone besides me, I would say um, probably, you know, I think Nathan Crawford, definitely. He's on our team. He's one of the best players that – we play against i've seen somehow he always just has it and then even when he doesn't have it he just somehow you know will uh crown a providence into it or something like that (laughs) or you know take an off turn and then just you know just he plays so well and um on twitter today he posted like he got 10th at indy he uh 20th in nationals last year he got um uh, pro, the calling Leal he got seventeenth place. Like he's been putting up consistent results, and he's just always been, one like, round off. Out there, one round off, and it's crazy how he's just one round off all the time. And um, I definitely think he has a shot at a very good chance, especially because the deck he plays and he's masterful at is in a very good position, especially with his build right now. Um, I can't figure the fucking thing out, but he just. He makes it work, and... He's on one, he, man. He's on one. And uh, another person I would have to say is Michael Hamilton. I mean, the mother... Yeah, I, he, he... The motherfucker. Old, <laughs> I say he, he it. Took, <laughs> the, he took Oldham to an X4 finish at the Pro Tour and, like, got blown out by Prism. And it's just like, you know, I honestly believe with that top eight, if he was, like... If he didn't play a Prism in that top eight, he probably just beats all those Briar players, right? Um, So... I feel like without his worst matchup there anymore, he's probably just, he's probably feeling like he's on one and he's unstoppable right now. He's like, man, I haven't lost a game in testing in, uh, (laughs) in two weeks. That's probably what he's like right now. So um, I legitimately feel
0: like he's the best player in the game still. Um, I would
1: say him, him and Pablo are tied there. Cause I mean, for sure. Shout out to Pablo for having that win into calling Madrid, Win into top aiding the second Pro Tour, and like, if I don't know what Spanish Nationals looks like, but I, a hundred percent guarantee he's top aiding that too, and probably probably taking the W down there. And I hope he does because, um, you know, screw giving other people a spotlight, just stay on top. That's what I say. Fuck <laughs> like them all. I agree, hundred <laughs> hey, percent. Hey, if I if I could do it, I would. You know.
0: Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um. You know, we got a we got a couple questions uh, from our lovely patrons over at the Car Guys Patreon, and uh, one this first one's from Justin Evans. Shout out to you, Justin! Um,
1: Thanks for always giving us questions. My mind. Yeah, yeah, always my inquisitive <laughs> and
0: always always wants to help us with content when he can. So very appreciative. Um, he asks when a format shifts completely via banning, new set, rotation or whatever for that matter. how do you all approach finding what to play? Um, I think you know I, th- I think uh, I think Columbus kind of speaks speaks on that right um, you if something changes, you see what decks got hard countered by that deck that just left the meta like like prism now and you saw all three of those decks that got hard checked by prism do very well. And so I think that's the first thing you need to do is look at that, and then see if any of those decks either a fit your play style, or b you you're just intrigued by, and then and just start from there. Um, yep. And if you're not like if you don't like that, just kind of play what you're comfortable with. But um, exactly, I think that's probably the only way to go about it, right? Um, yeah. I just I would
1: say, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, just
0: kind of see what opens up from that deck not existing anymore. So.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think definitely if you are lucky enough to be in the position that US Nats players are gonna be in where not only do we have this cool Battle Harden that we get to see before our nationals, we have all the other nationals going on we get to see before our nationals. That you're in a position where you can see the meta and if you're you can tackle it from that perspective, like battle like you're saying, battle Battleheart Columbus, if you're like what you said was perfect. If one of those decks fits your playstyle play one of those decks right if you're a prison player then check out dromai if you were a bravo player but you're like bravo's not really there this format then go ahead and pick up Oldham. if you were a kano player but you're like kane oasis respite screws me over pick up icelander right like just pick up one of those decks if you like control you know obviously you have a ton of options but if you're like me who's an aggro player and you're like the only deck i would really consider playing up there is like maybe dash or dromai right then when you're going into your testing just know these are the three decks that i have to tackle like you know if you build a five deck but you're like yeah my five deck's great i just can't beat um oldum and icelander (laughs) well then your five deck's not great (laughs) unfortunately that's uh that's just how it is you know you kind of just have to tackle what you expect and sure if you're, you can like give up, like, for example, let's just say Phi. I don't know what uh, insanely bad matchup he has, but like, let's just say he figures out a way to beat Ultimae Slander and Dromai, but he's like, man, I just really can't beat something like Viserai, right? Just throwing it out there. Right. But he's like, yeah, I know I can tackle the three decks that just did well. And then in this coming national season, if they keep on doing well, he's like, yeah, everyone's winning with these three decks and I can beat them. Then, yeah, bring your five deck. No you brainer, know? right? No brainer. If you're comfortable with it, too. And then maybe you can high roll viscerai or something like that. Yeah. Um, Go ahead and do that. But yeah, just c- tackle it. Try to play either the best deck, what counters the best deck or what you feel comfortable with at the end of the day. And just make sure you have a solid game plan into everything that's basically what flesh and blood is is just making sure you have a game plan into everything you play even if it's like you know for example even if it is like okay if i play against visceride i'm gonna have to high roll at least you built your deck in a way where you're like okay well that's a potential and this is what i have to do this is the cards i have to see to make that happen this is my path to victory there um so there's a way to win uh pretty much every game in flesh and blood
0: that's the beauty of it, it, it
1: right yeah you have you have control in every game to some extent
0: yep that is the freaking beauty in that um I agree way to elaborate uh shout out to Justin for the good question um you know if if anybody still listening to this point um is hearing this let me let us know what you do if you have a different process um, of how you choose what to play when when the format shifts in any sort of way
1: yeah, and um, if you're playing a deck this format just you know obviously in case you want to keep what you're playing a secret or something like that um if but just say like is it a deck you're comfortable with or are you just trying to hop on one of these uh these decks that you think will do better that's a very important question i have for people or are you in the lucky bolt where you were an olden player and now your favorite deck is considered one of the best decks so, yeah, just let us know. are you going with the meta or are you playing what you're comfortable with?
0: Yeah, last question um comes from Kyler uh Kyler actually from locals um he says, what are some cards that don't see much play that should or will start to see a lot more play now um and I have a couple specific ones. Um, that I want to go over that I think is kind of neat for a a super niche deck, but I think, um, I think it's a new way of playing the deck and it'd be kind of nice, but, um, you came up with an answer, you know, right before I said what I said, um, kind of elaborate on, uh, your, um, attack reactions and defense reactions.
1: Yeah, but that's what I said, like in the last couple formats we've seen, um, the lack of attack and defense reactions has been like pretty crazy to me. Um, obviously, because they're just not needed because you're either perfect blocking everything with your armor if it's an on hit effect or some kind of doing that. But now we're seeing like even into this very first week, aggro decks are having to play um either attack reactions. Like I know all the ninjas right now are jamming in attack reactions in their deck to get over that wall of what Oldham is or you have to be playing defense reactions to kind of just like keep, keep the decks that are trying to punish greedy aggro decks, um, keep them in check for things like Lexi, Dorinthia, Bravo, um, Mm -hmm. even some builds of Voldem. So I think that's what we have been seeing. And that's what I expected for us to see is attack and defense reactions being played in the meta. Um, because the first card I thought about, I'm like, yeah, raise a reflex, man. <laughs> Ninja decks, that's what should see more play. And, um. Yeah. You're not wrong on that. I, wit, man, I wish, man. I wish. I wish Ninja could, uh. Maybe someone will break five. I'd be so happy if someone broke five, like, this weekend. So then we have a whole week and a half to play with it before Nats. And we can... You know, I'd love to yeah. play that deck,
0: too. But
1: I just don't think know. it's
0: all that incredible right now. But, um. I had more specific to a hero, actually. Um, cards that I think need to be seen in Dorinthia. Um, and I, I saw a little bit of talk about this, actually, and I thought about these cards a little while ago. Um, Josh and I talked about one of them being the headpiece for Dorinthia, Helm of the Sharp Eye, and, um, a card that came out of Crew by the name of Unified Decree, um, and so there's, there's you know somewhat of a strategy that's going around um, that has been kind of fiddled with a little bit with uh, unified decree. Um, if you guys don't know what that uh, that card is, it's a yellow two cost card, um, majestic from crew that says it gains three attack. Uh, and then its reprisability is look at the top card of your deck. If it's an attack action card, you may banish it if you do play at this combat chain. Um, and there are cards in your deck that let you look at the top of your deck, like uh, Struggle Foresight, for example. Um, so you kind of know what you know card you want to add to your hand versus what card you want to put back on top. And then that way you can kind of filter and look at your hand for what you want to put in your arsenal. You know, And there are other cards... Um, like I want to say it's dusk path pilgrimage or nather nature's path nature's path pilgrimage is the one cost action that says your 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 weapon gains three and if it hits and you if you have no cards in your arsenal reveal the top card of your deck if it's an action card put it face down in your arsenal so um, it kind of gives off like the Sonata-esque effect where you can kind of just like blind off the top um, with nature's path pilgrimage and if it hits then you can look at your hand look at the top card and if you know, if it's an action, you put it there. Math should say if you build your deck correctly, the next card is going to be an um, attack reaction, right? So you could kind of get like cheeky with that, or, um, or or yeah, like you can, you're you being able to like opt. I think like you can also play like Ivaphidia in the deck, where you're always looking at the top cards, so you can kind of figure out exactly what's going on. So, um, I think I think Unified decree and Helm of the Sharp Eye is, um, a neat way that might give you the edge playing Doranthea. So be on the lookout for those. Yeah. For sure. But um, but yeah, uh, we've been going for quite a minute. I've been told that we lack on closing out a podcast. Do so you have any final words before we get the hell out of here?
1: Oh, no, here's where we lack. Um, just uh, advice if you're going to national meta, like I said before, don't know what to play, just play with your what you're comfortable with and at the end of the day even if your deck can't beat the best decks just sometimes you got to chalk up a certain tournament certain format like this ain't my format this ain't my tournament take it to um, the chin you okay yeah. with that yeah take it to the chin just be like I'm going to play I'm going to have fun and hang out with the boys you know so don't don't stress about card games we're all here to have fun i should take my own advice you know that's a
0: that's a good way to close out close out the episode sebastian um you know what isn't fun Walking walking by someone and them smell like absolute fucking mold, okay? Don't forget, when you wake up in the morning before uh, nationals, before the calling Charlotte, before any of your nationals across the entire country, and, oh, whoa, <laughs> I said that really wrong, around the entire world, um, brush your teeth, make sure you're clean, wash those pits and wipe your ass when you shit, because Lord knows you smelly people need it and um mercy load have (laughs) mercy um if you're listening to this uh and your nationals is literally this weekend good luck to all of you guys um have fun remember why you got into this game it's a lot of freaking fun so um with that being said um thank you for listening to episode 10 of the podcast we appreciate you guys chilling with us for this long if uh If you're still with us, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Have a good one. Peace. Do my.